0: Our text today is found in Proverbs chapter 2, and if you want to, go ahead and uh, hold your place also in Luke chapter 6. We'll look there in a few minutes. Added something different to our worship uh, guide today. Uh, On the back, you'll notice I have more of a listening guide um uh, a way for you to follow along and the, uh, the the blanks will be filled in on the screen as we go along you may wonder why i would do this you know i hadn't done this before my mind tends to wander would you believe that the older i get the more my mind tends to wander and if i don't have something to keep me on focus i'll be talking about alabama football or I'll be ta- I'm wondering now, I, there's a conspiracy here. We keep having blue and orange lights back here. And I don't know. Chad is uh Chad's up to that. I'll just stop it over here. But uh I hope you'll uh take advantage of that, follow along in the reading, and and I hope it'll help you also to stay focused. On God's word this morning, I want to read these scriptures here. Uh, We're continuing our sermon series called "Back to School: The Firm Foundation." Our scripture today is found in Proverbs chapter two, verses ten and eleven, and I'll read those verses this morning. It says, "For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding guard you." These are the words that God has given to King Solomon. King Solomon has begun to build a foundation. Last week we saw the good beginning that he had in Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 7, where he said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so as we move on into chapter 2, we look at how he continues to build this firm foundation uh, for the life of those who would be reading. And when we think about King Solomon, we think about a couple of things. King Solomon was a temple builder solomon was allowed to build the temple that his father david wanted so much to build king david had amassed one of the greatest fortunes that was ever in the history of the world god would not allow him to build the temple but he would allow solomon and so everything that king david had amassed and built up solomon was able to take that and to build god's temple there um, in in jerusalem now we also equate solomon with wisdom we we look at the book of proverbs and when we think about the book of proverbs we think about king solomon now there were a couple of other writers in the book of proverbs they had minor uh, things going on there they they contributed a little bit but most of this was written by king solomon and what we have come to understand through reading behind other bible scholars is that most of these proverbs were probably written early in his life while he was young in his reign as king of Israel. Later on, Solomon would go astray. We know the story of Solomon. He marries hundreds of women and brings women from all over the different parts of the world, and he allows them to bring their gods and their religions with them. And Solomon isn't quite, doesn't have quite the ending that he should have had if he had stayed with what he written. I, I heard this phrase one time, If Solomon had put his wisdom in his heart heart instead of his head, he would have been the greatest man to ever live. So as we read this, know that uh, Solomon wrote, God gave these proverbs to Solomon written for us. Let's look back, last week we learned two things about wisdom. First we learned that there is man's wisdom. Man's wisdom is the art of learning how to succeed in life. Man's wisdom is temporary man's wisdom is about this life it's about this world it's about why we're here man's wisdom is also limited we said last week have the ability to send a man to the moon and bring that man back from the moon safely but we can't we can't make a cell phone that won't drop a call on certain parts of highway 21 or highway 78 we have the intelligence to make a pizza but we also have people who are crazy enough to put pineapple on it so our wisdom is very limited I offended some of y'all there. But then there's God's wisdom. God's wisdom is this. God's wisdom means that God always chooses the best goals and the best means to those goals. God's wisdom says this, I have a will for your life. I have a will for your life. And if you will seek and search for that will, your life, I will take you to the place where you need to be i will i will choose the best possible way for you to get there you might not always understand it but you will wind up in the place that is best for you on the path that is best for you and so god's wisdom is higher than our wisdom and when we pray for god's wisdom and when we pray for god's will we should always be careful uh, to pray in god's will that it be accomplished in our life so i want to look at four things that solomon built this foundation for us out of the scriptures that we uh, talked about just a minute ago. And the first one of those foundations is wisdom. The first corner of that, if you look at it as having four corners on a foundation, the first one would be wisdom. He says wisdom will come into your heart. Now, there is an entire Old Testament book in the Old Testament that is devoted to one thing, and that one thing is wisdom. And as you look and you you see the book of Proverbs and you would think, why would something that was written probably 4,000 years ago, how could it be so relevant to me here today? I remember one time when I was youth minister here, we did a Sunday night uh, book series on the book of Proverbs, and we were going through the book of Proverbs, and there was about a 15-year-old girl who, at the beginning of one of our studies, she said, I can't believe that something that was written this long ago Every time I read it, it's something that's relevant to my life today. And so the book of Proverbs uh, does this for us. If we are a believer today, in our time, the book of Proverbs, we look at it this way. It is a, it is God's plan to prepare us for Christ and enable us to live well in his kingdom. Now, if you read the book of Proverbs and you think about it in context of you being a Christian, all of those Proverbs that are written will fit so perfectly into how we should live as a christian and how we should live in honoring christ now there is a process of growing in wisdom you'll see that there in your in your listening guide there's a process that we grow as we grow in wisdom and the first part of that process is that we trust and honor god we said last week proverbs 1 and 7 the, be, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's where our knowledge begins as a believer. And we, it's not that hide-under-your-bed fear, shaking and, and being afraid of what's in the dark, but it is when we come to a place in our life where we understand just how awesome and wonderful God is and how great he is and how small we actually are, then we come to this place where we know that we have a reverential awe for God. And when we come there, we know that we trust and honor Him in everything. And then secondly, we realize that the Bible reveals God's wisdom to us. We realize that this Bible was given to us because it is the wisdom of God, it is the mind of God, and if we truly want to have wisdom in our life, we will read His Word. Now, It is wonderful that people do devotions. It is wonderful that people um, have devotions that have snippets of Scripture in them. But if we ever really want to get to know the mind and heart of God, we have to be an intentional daily Bible reader. We should be focused on learning and growing and understanding that this Bible will reveal God's wisdom to us. And then third, as we grow in this process, we make a lifelong series of right choices and avoid moral pitfalls. We can do that real easily by surrounding ourselves with other believers, people who we know are mature in their faith, people who we know that one of the Proverbs says that iron sharpens iron. And we know that if we surround ourselves with other believers, and that we will be less likely to make bad choices and fall into moral pitfalls. And then last, when we make sinful choices or mistakes, we must learn from errors and recover. No show of hands, but have you sinned since you've been a Christian? Have you committed a sin since you've been a Christian? Yeah, probably so. And when we make a sinful choice or mistake, we have to learn from it, and we need to recover just as quickly as we possibly can. First John is a verse one of the first verses I ever learned as a believer. It says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, there's an important word in there, and it's a three-letter word that says all. It would have been different if, if it said that he cleanses us from some unrighteousness or a little bit of unrighteousness But John tells us that God will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we fail and when we sin, we know that we should immediately confess that sin, and we know because of that he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. And he says this, Solomon says, that wisdom will come into your heart. You know what some of the worst advice I've ever heard adults give to children or to youth when I was a youth minister? Some of the worst advice I ever heard adults give to youth was this, follow your heart. Follow your heart. I don't know that I've ever been to a college graduation or where they didn't tell somebody, somebody didn't say, follow your heart. Well, that's wonderful if your heart is filled with God's wisdom. But if your heart is not filled with God's wisdom, it's some of the worst advice you could ever give anybody. Because here's what the Bible says about following our hearts. In Jeremiah 17 and 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? If your heart is not filled with God's wisdom, if if you're not trying every day to fill your heart with the Holy Spirit and grow as a Christian, following your heart, the Bible says, could be one of the worst things that you could ever do because your heart will deceive you sometimes. Your emotions will deceive you. So we see Solomon builds the first corner of this foundation for us with wisdom, and then he puts the second corner down with knowledge. Here's what knowledge of Proverbs is. Proverbs are short sentences drawn from long experiences. Short sentences drawn from long experiences. Guess what? I've lived for a pretty good long time now. I know a lot more now than I did at 21. When I was 21, I, if you had talked to me, I knew everything there was to know about life, and you couldn't convince me any, any other way. I was the smartest person I knew, and I knew everything. Guess what? Now, some 30-something years later, I look back, and you know what? I didn't know anything. Because I had not experienced anything. I had no life experiences. I, I, didn't, I didn't know a lot. And now, because of the life experiences that I've had in those 30 years since, I realize I know a lot more and that I have a lot more experience. Solomon said that knowledge will be pleasant to the soul. God is saying through Solomon that we can have a life of peace and contentment. We can have a life of peace and contentment if we have the knowledge of God in our lives. The Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth that he had learned to be content in everything. When he had plenty, he was content, and when he was in hunger, he was in content because of his life experience. There's a wonderful verse in Romans 8 and 28 that tells us that when we have the knowledge of God and we know that He is a part of our lives, it says this, We know that for those that love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That third word there says we know. It it says we have knowledge that everything that's going to happen in our lives is going to happen for a reason. Good or bad, everything happens for a reason. And if we love God, he's going to work those things together for good. That good is always to glorify Him and for Him to get glory in everything we do. So we know that if we have that wisdom and we have that knowledge, we're on a good path to having a firm foundation. And then he says this, Solomon tells us that we could also have discretion. Discretion is the, is the one here that really sticks out. Discretion says that we spiritually we'll be able to discern what is responsible and re- acceptable to God in our lives. I, I saw this saying that says a wise man speaks because he has something to say. A foolish man speaks because he has to say something. That's very true. A lot of times, if we don't have the discretion that we need in our lives, we will speak when we shouldn't, and we'll remove all doubt of whether or not we're foolish at the time. Um discretion one of the best ways to determine if a person has discretion or not is if they gossip if a person gossips we know that more than likely they don't have discretion if they begin if their sentence begins with hey did you hear or hey do you know or hey we automatically our antenna as a Christian should go up and say this person is not exhibiting the discretion that a Christian should God's desire for His people is that we will become so skilled in reflecting His glory that the world will be drawn to Him through us. We see this so clearly uh, in the Old Testament when we look at the nation of Israel, God came to Abraham, and he said to Abraham, I'm going to take you from where you are right now, and I'm going to move you to a place where you don't even know about, you've never heard of, and I'm going to make a nation out of you so great that the number of stars and the, the sand on the sea, you'll, be, you'll have more descendants than, than even that. And Abraham fa- followed him in faith, and God showed Abraham the borders of where he was going to put him. Now, God just didn't willy-nilly just pick a place and say, this is where I'm going to put Abraham. He put the nation of Israel in a place where that they would be the center and the focus of all the nations around them, and all the nations around them should be able to see God be glorified through how the nation of Israel was living. And It didn't always work out that way. More times than not, they let God down. But our purpose today... Is the same. We are purposely placed where we are, and we need to be intentional in how we live and how we show discretion in our lives every day. We need to be certain that we are reflecting biblical Christianity and not American Christianity. We need to be careful that we know God's Word so well that we are reflecting what the Bible says we should be living and not this um, Americanized version of Christianity that says everything is about us and, and that we are to be self-served. The Bible tells us clearly that everyone should be more important than us. And then the last part of this foundation that he builds is this word understanding. He says understanding will guard you. Understanding will protect you and keep you and guard you from some of the things in this world that will come your way. Understanding will be a- will make you able to make spiritual judgments about situations and people that you may come in contact with. Look at what he says just, a, uh, uh, just about a half page over in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Solomon says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. God's understanding. Lean on God's understanding. When I lean on my understanding, I make a mess out of things. But when I lean on God's understanding, and I look to God to be my foundation, then I know that I'm in a place where I ought to be, and I'm going to have, and he's going to guard me. Now, Jesus talked about a firm foundation. In Luke chapter 6 in verse 46 through 49, Jesus told a parable of the wise and foolish builders. He says this. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, Parables are simply stories, especially those of Jesus, that are told to provide a vision of life, especially life in the kingdom. And Jesus would paint a vivid picture for those who are listening to him, and they would be able to visualize what he was talking about through the story he told. Now, they're not just clever stories, but they are always a proclamation of the gospel. Jesus always puts the hearer in the place where they have to respond to what has been said to them, and they have to make a decision about the kingdom and the king. One of the main reasons that they crucified Jesus was because of the parables that he told. One of the main reasons that he went, that they crucified him was because the parables that he told to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the other religious leaders proved them to be false teachers and false leaders And they couldn't stand it. And so that's one of the reasons that they pushed so hard to have him crucified. Jesus gives two examples here to illustrate what it means to hear and to do Jesus' words. i illustrate those through a a picture. This is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And you see how it, it has been for hundreds of years. It's been in this lean, and they say that sooner or later it will crumble and fall, but it was built on a place where the ground was bad and it wasn't supposed to support a building that big and because of that it has been leaning for centuries now and it is a it is the best picture that you can uh, describe of how a bad foundation affects a building but how we can look at that picture and see if we aren't building our foundation on jesus our lives are leaning just like that and at some point our lives may even come to a place to where they get so out of whack that they may crumble i see this second picture here and this is in texas in 2008 right after hurricane ike came through with winds up to 143 miles an hour this home is the only home standing for a whole couple of neighborhood blocks And one of the reasons that it is standing is because there had been a storm a couple of years earlier that had damaged the home really bad. And when they built the home back, they built it to hurricane strength standards. They built the foundation deeper, they built the the rest of the house to specifications that it would withstand winds up to 200 miles an hour. And so when those 143 mile an hour winds came through, that house was the only house standing because it was built on a firm foundation. How, how firm a foundation do we have as believers? How deep have we dug in our relationship with Jesus? How far do we go in making sure that we are solid in what we know and what we believe about Jesus? How often do we go to Christ and, and pray each day? How often do we, we read his word and firm up that foundation? Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't even do what I say? To say that Jesus is Lord is to say this, he should be obeyed. Because this is so true, confession apart from obedience is worthless. We not only should live, say with our lips that we are living for Jesus, but we should also live with Jesus through our lives. You see, the wise man in Jesus' story He didn't lay the foundation until he dug down and hit rock. And when he hit rock, he knew that he could take from there and he could build a foundation in a place that would last for many, many years. And we see with our own lives that any foundation for one's life other than Jesus will lead to disappointment. It's like building a house on sand and knowing that sooner or later a flood is going to come, a storm is going to come, and it's going to devastate what we have. Our life may go well for a while, but when faced with difficulty, the house will shift and eventually fall apart. Now, there's no time to prepare for a disaster in the middle of a storm. Once the storm comes, it's too late. I watched the weather this morning, and James Spann said, he said that these next three days, we're going to have a heat index of anywhere from 110 to 115. And so James Spann said those words, and guess what? Those words are the gospel. As Spann said it, I believe it, all right? So here's what, saying, here's what he's saying to me. If you go outside in the next three days, you better be sure you drink a lot of liquids. You better be sure that you uh, take some breaks. You better be sure that you take care of yourself because it could lead to what? It could lead to dehydration or a heat stroke. If you worked with me at the elementary school yesterday, you're probably at one of those two places today. But Span comes on and he says that, and I take it to heart, and so the next three days I'm just going to stay inside. But what about this? What about in our lives if somebody could give us a forecast? What What if somebody very span like could come on and tell us, Hey, Darren, on Wednesday, on, on Wednesday, your health is going to change. Something drastic is going to change, and you need to be prepared. Hey, Michael, on Thursday, your finances are going to take a great hit, and some, something bad is going to come, and you need to prepare. Hey, Michael, on Friday, something bad is going to happen in your family. You're going to have a crisis in your family, and you need to start preparing. Is that how it works? We never know until the situation hits normally. Of what's going to happen. John F. Kennedy said this, the best time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. What he's saying there is that we need to have our life in order and live in such a way that when the flood comes and when the rains come, we don't have to worry about it. The time of disaster reveals our readiness. Now, if you have a firm foundation and the events of life come your way and hit you most of the time, people don't see that a lot. Your, fir- your foundation is firm, and it's in Jesus, and when bad things come your way, you don't always have, to, people don't always know it. But when your fir- foundation is not firm, and when you've built your life on the things of this world and not the things of Jesus, everybody notices a bad foundation when those storms of life come, and lives are wrecked, and lives are devastated, Everyone knows it. Jesus is warning his disciples that when difficulties have come, one's foundation is already determined. So how can we as disciples of Jesus do his words as he's instructing us to do? Two ways that we can do those. Number one, we have to realize that these words that Jesus spoke, he was speaking in the present tense. He was saying that there was someone hearing that there was a storm coming, and that there was someone building a house. These are all present tense. And what Jesus is urging his disciples to understand is is that growing, building your foundation and growing in this way and having that firm foundation, it's a continuous process. That do is not simply a one-time do what I say in the present, but it's an ongoing process that describes the daily life of a disciple now jesus never offers self-help quick fix solutions to our problems one of the reasons that people get frustrated with a christian life is because of this is because with jesus jesus goes slow and steady and he builds something that's going to last for a long time and in our day people want something that's going to happen just like that but jesus gives us things and words that are supposed to be processed that we're supposed to meditate on. And that we're supposed to uh, let those things shape us. There are no overnight makeovers with Jesus. It's slow and steady growth. There's a temptation in all of us to want to find a quick fix to, to everything that happens in our life. But that's not how, that doesn't fit with how Jesus describes the authentic work of discipleship. And then we have to realize this. Jesus' words come with a very unique characteristic. When Jesus speaks, we know that there is divine authority behind it and that he speaks to accomplish something. Jesus doesn't speak just for people to hear him, but when Jesus speaks, he gives us the power to set out and do what he wants us to accomplish. When Jesus spoke, Everyone's reality was changed. People's physical lives were, were altered, and things began to happen. So we understand that when, in reading this and in trying to become a deeper disciple of the Lord and trying to have a more firm foundation in life, we realize that it doesn't happen overnight. We realize it is a process of walking with him for, for a long time and of growing every day and building that Building that much stronger. You see, there's a foolish person. That foolish person has built their life on the sand. They built their lives around themselves. Their life is about them and about the things that they want to do and the things that they want to acquire and the things that they want to accrue and all the things in this life. And they're looking at the temporary and and giving so much to the temporary, and to the limited knowledge of this life that they miss the things of God. But then there are those who have great wisdom, and their life is built on Jesus. Their life is on a solid rock that is Jesus Christ. And I have witnessed that so many times through your life. I have witnessed that so many times through the things that you have gone through, and you stood firm in, the, in your relationship with the Lord. And in seeing that, I know that through the years you have been digging and digging a firm foundation. And that the winds of of this life and the storms of this life aren't strong enough to take your faith away and to knock you down. Jesus said this. He said at the beginning there in verse number 46. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? Jesus gave one of the most frightening passages of Scripture is found in Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus is there at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And if, ever, if anyone ever tells you, I, I, I'm not living my life by that gospel, I'm living my life by the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to take in these scriptures that I'm going to share with you here in just a minute. Because there toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives one of the One of the most vivid descriptions of what he's talking about here with the foolish and wise builder he says this in Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 33 Jesus says these words to those who are listening to him he says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What, What an awful thing to think that there is a foolish way of living in this life. That there is a foolishness to this life where we build our lives on ourselves and we build our lives on our good works and our deeds and the things that we accomplish. And we, as Jesus describes here, there will be people there on that day who said, Lord, I preached. Lord, I taught. Lord, I I did all these things. And Jesus is going to say to some of those people, depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. And those are going to be the most awful words that anyone will ever hear, in all their existence. And those words will echo with them for eternity, because they may have built their they may have built their house on, on a membership or on a, uh, catechism or on a what, whatever religious activity that they've been a part of. They may have punched their clock every week coming to church. But nowhere in there was there ever a point where they asked for forgiveness of their sins, repented of those sins, and followed Jesus every day of their life. That is the most foolish way to live that anyone will ever live on this existence on this earth. And Jesus warns us and he gives us, he gives us the opportunity to look and examine our lives and say I'm not going to live this foolish way. I'm going to build my, I'm going to dig my life deep and i'm gonna hit the rock of jesus and i'm going to stand there and i'm going to stand firm and i'm going to know that not only when the storms of life come and and blow here that i'm going to be safe and secure but i'm also safe and secure in eternity because i place my faith in jesus and jesus alone this morning i want to end this way i want i just want to say that we're going to have a time of invitation a time of worship a time of reflection and i want you to pray this morning last week we had a prayer at the end of the service and i asked you to pray and thank god for your salvation i ask you to do that and to and to give him honor and glory for that this morning i want you to pray for those i asked you wednesday night to begin to get someone on your heart who you know is a lost person someone on your heart and begin to think about that person daily And how you can bring that person to a relationship with Christ. This morning as we go into this time, I want you to pray with me. And I want you to begin to pray for that person. But I also want you to search your heart. And know for sure that your life is built. And your eternity is secure on the foundation of Jesus. And not on anything that you've done of your own merit. But only Jesus this morning. Would you stand with me as Darren comes?